welcome to She Thinks, a podcast where you're allowed to think for yourself. I'm your host, Beverly Hallberg. And on today's episode, we're going to try to cut through the media clutter of a thorny and emotional issue, the issue of immigration and the unique challenges we face here in America with everyone from celebrities to pundits giving their two cents on the issue. The facts do matter. And today, Patrice Anwuka is here to break it down. Everything from her own immigration story to the president's efforts at the border to what policy reforms we should be looking at. But before we bring her on a little bit about Patrice, Patrice Anmuka is a senior policy analyst at Independent Women's Forum and has worked in the advocacy and communications fields for more than a decade. Prior to joining IWF, Patrice served as national spokeswoman and communications director at Generation Opportunity. She has held consulting roles as a speechwriter for the United Nations spokesman and a managing a student travel program to South Africa. Patrice, always great to have you on. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you, Beverly. It's great to be on. Um, before we get into where we are as a country and the different policy issues, as I just mentioned, I would love for you to share your own immigration story. When did you come to the States and any background information you could give on why you decided to come here? Sure. So uh, my family and I moved from the tiny Caribbean island of Montserrat. It's a British colony. Uh, it's in the Caribbean. Uh, and we left when I was just three years old. Um, and it was uh, it was quite shocking, I think, moving from an island paradise where my family had a, a really upper middle class lifestyle, a very nice home and multiple cars. And we, we literally moved to the inner city of Boston, um, where my school had drug needles in the back in the schoolyard. Um, I was I stayed after school with someone who had gangs right outside of her her apartment door, uh, and it was at the height of the um, the the crack epidemic, drug violence, gang violence in my neighborhood. Um, so talk about going from paradise to uh, to the opposite of paradise. But to this day, my family still holds, and I, I, I wholeheartedly agree, um, that the sacrifice was worth it. Um, leaving behind all of our family, friends, everything we knew to start over in a totally different climate, totally different place was worth it because of the opportunity and the freedom in this country. And so we are proud U.S. citizens today. Um, but, you know, I, I certainly have a unique perspective of, of understanding why immigration is important, why it's great for our country, but also why we have to have laws that are, are abided by. And so out of curiosity, when did you become a, a citizen? And you mentioned all the things that you faced when you first came here and some of the struggles that you faced. Why would you say at the end of the day it was still worth it when some would say what you're doing is leaving paradise? <laughs> um, sure. So, uh, well, uh, the second question first, um, because, you know, I couldn't be here uh, talking to you, Beverly, um, as a, a policy analyst, as someone who regularly is a, does a television news cable television circuit talking about policy and economics. Um, talking about why greater freedom, why individuals pursuing their passions in the marketplace is the best um, tool for empowerment and poverty alleviation. I wouldn't be talking about any of this. I wouldn't have gone to the, the colleges I went to. Um, my brothers would not have done the same and had the same opportunities. Uh, while the island was a paradise, the government owned half of the economy there. And so, 
you know, the entrepreneurial spirit just doesn't exist. Um, you know, you don't, if you're not connected, if you don't have money, your kids really are not going to get to go to college. And so, you know, my parents made it a gamble looking 20, 30 years down the line that our lives would be so much better if they uprooted us and moved us to the, to the United States than if we stayed back in the Caribbean. And I'm thankful that they made that sacrifice because it, it really was leaving so much behind, but we've gained so much more as a result. And plenty of people in our country have opinions on immigration. Obviously, they have every right to. I think the more educated people are, the better off that they are. And I want to let mm -hmm. our listeners know that you have a wonderful policy focus piece on IWF's website, IWF.org, which details just policy issues that we can look at. But I find it interesting how so many people, including celebrities, have an opinion on immigration. Just this past Monday night, MTV had their annual Video Music Award also known as the VMAs. By the way, it was an all-times rating low each of the past three years. So it's struggling to get headlines. So maybe this is what was going on. But you just did a piece on this, an article on this, talking about the immigration comments by two individuals that were presenting the best Latin video award. You had Moroccan-born rapper French Montana and actress Alison Brie. Let's go to the clip, and then I want to get your comments on it. I'm so proud to pronounce this award because as an immigrant, I feel like we are the people that make this country. And I feel like I want to be the voice. So Patrice is somebody who immigrated to this country, the legal immigrant here. What do you make of these types of comments? They seem very flippant statements about immigration, not understanding the full picture. So, so what do you say in response to these types of comments? Yeah, I think they're unfortunate, Beverly. Um, I think they're they're coming from a place of believing that all immigrants think the same and speak with the same voice and have the same perspective about immigration policy. Um, and then number two, I think they're uneducated. Uh, yeah, so you, you have number one, you've got French Montana, who is an immigrant himself and experiencing the blessings of being in this country, you know, trying to straddle the line in, in a vague way, you know, talk about being proud to be an immigrant. I agree with him there. Uh, but I, I think what crossed the line really is uh, Alison Bree's comment about what's happening to immigrants being disgusting. Well, you know, the question I, I posed is, well, what does she mean is happening and what does she mean is disgusting? Um, is enforcing our immigration laws disgusting? No. Um, is, is locking up um, and deporting people who are committing serious crimes, aside from the crime of being here illegally, but committing serious crimes disgusting? I would think it, it's not as disgusting to lock those criminals up. And I'll give you an even closer uh, example. In Montgomery County, just one county away from where I live in Maryland, for the, se this, uh, the second time this month, you have an illegal immigrant who was, uh, who was arrested for raping an um, 11-year-old girl. Uh, this is in, in Montgomery County. Unfortunately, this is not a, a, an uncommon thing. And it's because there are people who, you know, lump all immigrants together. And, and there are those, those of us who the majority are here legally, whether it's permanent residents or citizens um, or who are on visas, and then lumping us together with those who are here illegally, who have broken the law to come to this country. 
Now, hey, my heart goes out to those who want better opportunity and more freedom, et cetera, et cetera. But there is a process for you to be able to achieve that. And jumping the line because you think you can is not fair to those who are waiting. I have family members who have applied to come to this country and are going to be on the list for another decade. Uh, So that's not fair. And we all don't think the same and we all don't believe the same about immigration policy. We all do support having strong border enforcement, having immigration policies and reforming our, our reform, our reforming our immigration laws to be able to make the system more clear, understandable in the process of how to become a citizen or how to come here um, more understandable. Well, let's play a little game in the uh because we think people need to be more educated about this issue. And by the way, it's hard to keep track of everything. We hear so much in the news. Some of it's true. Some of it's not true. So this isn't a knock on the fact that we sometimes don't know what's going on. It's just, it's hard to get the straight facts. So we're going to play a little game. You're going to help us out, Patrice. It's called two truths and a lie, two truths and a lie. So I'm going to read three statements and you tell me which one is the lie. So a, Number one, most immigrants in the U.S. are here illegally. Two, Congress has failed over 20 times to address the situation with DREAMers. Or number three, a majority of Americans want the U.S. to increase immigration levels or keep them the same. Which one is the lie? Hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to go with, uh, with A, most immigrants are here illegally. That's the lie. Ding, 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 ding. Good job. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I know this because, uh, you know, I've done some research and I've looked at the number of uh, immigrants and then the numbers that, who are here illegally. So, you know, you've got 47 million people who are not born in this country, me being one of them. Um, but of that, um, over nearly half of us are naturalized citizens. Another quarter are uh, legal non-citizens, so people who are here legally, but just they're not citizens, maybe they're permanent residents. You still have another maybe 1.7 million who have t- are on temporary visas. And then you've got about 11 million or maybe a quarter who are here illegally. So there may be a perception that all immigrants are here illegally or most immigrants are here illegally, but that is so far from the truth. Most immigrants who are here are here legally. And I have to be honest about something. I did get the the two truths and a lie from a blog post that you do you did have on IWF.org. So people can go there to read more about it. Um, but I think this also leads into a really important topic that we heard Democrats and Republicans talking about quite a bit, and that is what to do with dreamers. What about the children who were born here, even though their parents were illegal? What do we do about that situation? What is your perspective on the dreamers? And do you think that Republicans and Democrats can ever come to a truce or come to some type of agreement on that? Yeah. So the dreamers are an interesting case because these are children or today they're young adults, but they were brought here illegally um, as children. What do you do? They didn't, they themselves didn't make the decision to come here and to break the law. Someone else made that decision for them. Um, And now you're talking about uh, an estimated 2.3 million young people who fall into that dreamer category. Uh, President Obama tried to do something about that, which was using executive action uh, to create kind of a, a special kind of grace or, uh, or uh, um, kind of a, uh, allowing them to um, get work author- authorization um, and, and, and allow their, re- their removal from the United States to be deferred um, every two years once they apply and prove that, you know, they're on the up and up. They're being uh, productive citizens. They're going to school or maybe they're in the military. 
um, and they're not getting into to trouble with the law. Uh, so that's what you call the DACA program or the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. Um, now, there's been the Trump administration has said, hey, wait a minute. That is a temporary solution to this longer term problem of what do you do with these 2.3 million people? Um, and so the Trump administration ended the DACA program, and there's been some back and forth in the legal courts about what, what can be done. Um, so DACA is still in, in play where, where um, some people who, who would fall into that category can apply for um, to, to, to stay in this country. Uh, but there's a longer-term question of what do you do. And I think it's fair to say, okay, we've got these young people. Um, let's, uh, let's see if we can um, at least, you know, give them some sort of stay here, um, provided that they meet certain requirements. And, and, again, I think the requirements should be around, work, around employment, around education, around um, uh, criminal behavior, making sure they don't have some. So with DREAMers, we just have to be careful that if we grant a blanket amnesty, that in the future it won't create an incentive to, again, bring children here to the country illegally, knowing that one administration in the future will also give them amnesty. That just encourages more illegal immigration. So I want to wrap up our conversation today on a recent action on the border, and that was in reference to the Flores Act. So the president has made a decision to say that children can be held longer with their parents, longer than 20 days in order for their claims to be processed. This got a lot of pushback, um, saying that this was inhumane, that children could be held indefinitely. What is your perspective on making this change to the Flores Act? And do you think that this is a good thing because it allows then the right people to go through the policy claim process? So with the Flores settlement, I'm glad the administration is finding a way to tackle this issue. What may have been well-intended has led to some unintended consequences, namely that you have human traffickers and smugglers exploiting this loophole um, to bring children to our borders illegally and use them as a tool to get other people here illegally. And, and what you've unfortunately also seen is now you have the renting, and I said that right, renting children where the same children will, child will be brought um, with groups of adults to the border claiming that they're related as family members. And because, you, you know, because of Flores, you couldn't keep that child and those, and that, those adults indefinitely. You'd have to release them and hope that they would come back for the adjudication of their cases in the future. Um, and then that child goes right back to the same sending country and comes back again with another um, group of, of, of migrants. So I think what you're trying to see now is the administration saying, OK, we care about children enough to ensure that they're not going to be rented by by human smugglers and, and coyotes. Um, and so, you know, this this will allow us to keep them for a longer period of time, not forever but for a longer period of time to adjudicate their cases. And I think the administration is looking at probably up to 60 days or, or a couple of months, um, which hopefully will be enough time to deal with those, those cases, determine if there really is an asylum claim or determine if there's a, a legitimate claim for, for immediate entry or whether they just need to be returned to their sending country. You know, I, I, part of the, the challenge with these immigration problems, Beverly, is that, you know, some of the solutions have been uh, symptoms, dealing, treating the symptoms. Um, but we actually need to treat the, 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 the reason why um, someone is coming. So if, if they're coming or using loopholes in the law to flood our borders with people illegally, then how do you deal with, how do you close that loophole? And that's what this um, measure is meant to accomplish. So let's talk a little bit and wrap up with just 
public perception. I think it's changed dramatically on how people view what's going on on the border. President Trump did push hard in the past year and a half to two years saying it was a crisis. You had other politicians saying it wasn't. Now they've said it is a crisis. Now it's how do we deal with it? (laughs) The narrative's drastic or drastically different out there. They vary so much. Where is the public falling on the issue of immigration? What is it that you're seeing? And what do you at IWF, what do you hear people asking for when it comes to policies? Sure. So generally, Americans embrace immigration, legal immigration. You've got large majorities, over 70% of Americans do support immigration. Um, and some, you know, want to keep either increase or keep it the same, and that's fine. Um, but I think people are concerned about what happens when you have illegal immigration and not surprisingly the impacts on both, um, you know, use of public resources, uh, cost in terms of crimes, as well as, um, as well as the impact on the labor market. Um, and so people are looking for a, a longer-term solution that's actually going to, to address both the levels of legal immigration we have, the process of achieving it, and then dealing with asylum claims. Um, there are a lot of people who you know, think that we are not dealing um, effectively with, with uh, people who claim asylum. And unfortunately, because of the southern border you've, and, and false claims of asylum, um, you have a system that's been exploited. So, uh, you know, I, I think the, the public sentiment is behind getting something accomplished and getting something done. And, and I think that we're going to hopefully see that. Uh, there are a lot of people who didn't believe there was a problem at the southern border um, and that it was a, quote, manufactured crisis. And now they understand that that's no longer the case. Um, and so uh, there, I think there's now momentum to be able to address immigration from a, a broader standpoint. Whether Congress will do that is another question. We'll have to say that for another podcast. <laughs> but for now, Patrice, <laughs> thank you so much for delving into some of these issues and also sharing your own personal story. It's always a pleasure having you on. Oh, thank you so much, Beverly. It's always great to be on with you. And thank you all for joining us. If you have more interest in this topic, you can, of course, find Patrice's policy work at IWF.org. And you can follow her on Twitter. Her handle is at Patrice Pink File. I also wanted to let you know of a great podcast you should subscribe to called Problematic Women. It's hosted by Kelsey Bowler and Lauren Evans, and they sort through the news to bring stories and interviews that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women, that is, women whose views and opinions are often excluded or mocked by those on the so-called feminist left. Every Thursday, hear them talk about everything from pop culture to policy and politics by searching for problematic women wherever you get your podcasts. Last, if you enjoyed this episode of She Thinks, do leave us a rating or a review. It does help. Also, we'd love it if you shared this episode so your friends know where they can find more She Thinks episodes. From all of us here at Independent Women's Forum, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.